You guys know that the Word of God is living and powerful? Yeah, I forgot my phone at home that had my slides for this morning. Sonny walked in, I'm like, I think I got enough time to run home and grab it quick. And I was back and forth, like literally stepping out. No, I don't need them. Yes, I should. No, they're helpful visuals. But it was one of those things, the Lord just kind of like, no, my word. My word's powerful. That's it. So no slides, and that's okay because the word of God is powerful. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's look at verse 1 here in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Pentecost. How many of you guys have heard of Pentecost before? Awesome. How many of you guys have heard of Pentecostals before? Yeah, that's where they get Pentecost from. Or, yeah, their name from, Pentecost. Anyways, really there's three major feasts that kind of encompass this for the Jewish people, okay? Ancient Judaism taught into. We have Peshash, which is Passover. We're all familiar with Passover. That encompassed the, the lamb, the unleavened bread, the first fruits. We have Shavat, which is the, the uh, Feast of Weeks. This is Pentecost. We also have uh, Sukkot, which is the Feast of Tabernacle or Booths to remind Israel of their time in the wilderness wanderings, which we read a lot about in the Old Testament. They built booths and shelters outside and they go and stay in those for a week to remind them of those wandering years. So the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost, is found uh, um, back in Leviticus, actually let's turn there, Leviticus together, chapter 23, because as Acts tells us here on the day of Pentecost, well this is significant for the Hebrew people, well let's go take a look at what God uh, spoke into when he instituted Pentecost, Leviticus chapter 23, that will be the third book uh, in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, chapter 23. Let's jump down to verse 15 together and we will read about this. And you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Count 50 days to the day after the seventh day Sabbath. Then you shall offer new grain offering to the Lord. And you shall bring from your dwellings two wave loaves of two-tenths of an ephah. And you shall be uh, of fine flour, and they shall be baked with leaven. And they are the first fruits to the Lord. And you shall offer with the bread seven lambs of the first year without blemish, one young bull, and two rams. And they shall be as a burnt offering to the Lord. And with their grain offering and their drink offerings and an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma to the Lord. Verse 19 tells us, Then you shall sacrifice one kid of the goats as a sin offering, two male lambs of the first year as a sacrifice of a, as a peace offering. The priests shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits of the wave offering before the Lord with the two lambs, and they shall be holy to the Lord for the priest. And you shall proclaim on the same day that this is a holy convocation to you, and you shall do no customary work on it. It shall be a statute forever in all your dwellings throughout your generations. 
So, aren't you guys grateful that when we come to worship the Lord, our biggest worry sometimes is, hey, what am I going to wear? And then, Lord, is my heart ready to worship you today? Wouldn't it be a bugger if we had to go out back and find some lambs and rams and all this? So, anyways, we can go back to Acts. Actually, go to John chapter 4. We'll be there in a moment. But I want to consider Pentecost with you guys in these festivals. Really, the start of the harvest is the, the Feast of First Fruits. Okay, we're familiar with that. They bring this wave offering of wheat. Okay, now, seven weeks later, or 50 days, okay, Penta, okay, 50, Pentecost, 50 days later, at the end of the harvest, they would bring a wave offering of two loaves of bread. And in this wave, uh, waving the sacrifice, uh, was really holding it out to the altar and then bringing it back. Okay, and in that, it actually signified something very neat that we need to grasp and understand. Um, this would dedicate, they would, they would do this, um, it would dedicate, it would be dedicated to the Lord. Okay, it was kind of like, hey, we're giving it to you, God. Okay, here's an offering for you. So that would be the motion forward, and then they would receive it back. It was the motion of the sheaves being, you know, back, representing the harvest had come from God to the worshiper and that's a beautiful picture that we see here also it's an expression of gratitude and for god supplying their daily bread so a coincidence then that the holy spirit brings the power to the disciples that are needed to be a witness of jesus in jerusalem judea samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth precisely on the day designated that the Jews were to lift their hands and thanks to Yahweh for the harvest? Think about the significance of Pentecost. On this day, they received, and the disciples were to begin reaping a harvest of souls. Okay, and it continued from then till now, almost 2,000 years it's been going on. And now let's take a look here in John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 35 and 36. Jesus speaking says, Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. Wow. Are you guys gaining for eternal life? Or are we gaining for the here and the now? Let me tell you what, there is a harvest, isn't there? There's a big harvest out there. So, and it's so cool. Like, if we really step back and think about what's happening here, it's, <laughs> it's, it's blast radius hits here. Okay? Let's go back to Acts. I want you guys to look at verse 5. Okay? Because the blast radius hits every nation under heaven. Okay? That's the purpose of the empowering of God's Spirit. Okay, the baptism of the Holy Spirit to go and to be witnesses to all people. So this is a spiritual explosion. Pretty cool, isn't it? This is what's taking place for us. And do you guys know that Pentecost is the church's birthday? Have you ever thought about it that way before? Pentecost is the church's birthday. That's when the church was birthed. The Holy Spirit drops and the church grows instantly. 
Okay. It's just awesome. I wish I could have been there. Anyways. So what were the disciples praying for with one accord in this place? You ever think about that? They're all gathered together in this one place. Okay. Jesus told them to wait. They're praying. What are they praying for? Well, I'm sure they were praying in unity of place, time, purpose, and prayer here. And they were praying for the Holy Spirit to come to them. That they would be empowered to go and to be witnesses. The power needed to carry out the great commission. To carry the gospel to every man, woman, and child in the world. To cross the boundaries of the day. So they were praying that God would send them forth as laborers into the harvest field of the day and I wonder if that's the right way to pray do you guys pray every day Lord please give me opportunity help me to share the good news today the gospel to simply pray that let me tell you what we talked about prayer meetings last week and praise God a bunch of gals showed up yesterday so cool I wish I could have been there. Okay, I love when people get together and when they're seeking the Lord together. And I guarantee you, when you do that, there is the moving of the Spirit. Hey, we're going to pray into lost souls because we understand the mission of Jesus. We know how he cares for all people, how he died for all people, how he desires all people to come to himself. We're going to pray into that. And we need to be praying. I wonder if our prayer focus should be more towards actually winning souls. Jesus came to actually save the lost, not just tell them they were. So maybe, just maybe, we should aim higher. Let's look at the visible signs of the invisible spirit. Look at verse 2 with me in Acts chapter 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Okay, Let's pause for a second. Think on it. A sound from heaven. You think it's going to be cool? Yeah, I think it's going to be cool. Well, it tells us, as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and on sat upon each of them, or one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues, is the Spirit gave them utterance. Guys, this is a spiritual explosion taking place. This is awesome. Now, the explosion. What's an explosion? Well, a sudden, nosy release of energy. (laughs) God's power. Okay? Now, I want to break this down a little bit for you and I this morning. The first sign that we see here, it's audible, isn't it? Right? Verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. Okay, the sound must have been tremendous. Maybe you grew up in an area that windstorms were the norm. Okay? Maybe you guys live down south and maybe hurricanes. <laughs> You've been one, through one of those. Maybe a few years back you lived right here in Kakana and you had a tornado come through your backyard and you get a little taste of what a strong rushing wind <laughs> might sound like. i got to tell you guys a story real quick. So Sonny and I, the alarms are going off. How many of you guys remember it? Just a few years back, okay. 
sirens are going off. It's crazy. We're downstairs. Sirens are going off, going off, going off, going off, going off, going off. Man, our kids are little. They need to go to bed. How many times have we gone through this before? So let's go put our kids to bed. So we go upstairs in the house and we begin to get the kids ready for bed. And I had Uriah, I believe, right? I had Uriah and you were in another room with little Finn. He's a baby at the time. I got one leg of Uriah's pajamas on and he's laying down and he looks at me and he says, Thomas, Uriah's a little guy at this time. You guys know how they say train or tornadoes sound like a train? Yeah, we heard the train coming. Uriah looks at me down. <laughs> I'm like, we need to get downstairs now. And we end up running downstairs as the tornado's coming literally through our backyard. And it was so cool. Sunny and I never wear our shoes in the house, but we're coming down our stairwell, and we got to come around into our open kitchen area to go down to the stairwell to get downstairs. The tornado had just come through, blew out our big bay window. All the way across the room, glass flew glass was all over the place and we were able to just run all over the top of it all it had blown out as we we're coming downstairs and uh yeah nothing and it was so cool because no one really got hurt with this tornado and it's the first time i saw this community actually come together and love each other you know i'm just like this is so cool neighbors are actually getting to know each other <laughs> you know and we saw a lot of good of it you know, we were finishing our house, and the one thing we couldn't refinish and pay for to get done was our roof. Well, the tornado did just enough damage to our roof that the insurance company paid for that and gutters and everything for free. Anyways, but the point is here, how cool or cooler is the wind from heaven? <laughs> this rushing wind. Okay, just think about it. The sound was so loud that the people in the temple area, they were drawn towards it. What is the strange thing that we're hearing? They went to it. And the second sign then that's given is it now a visual one. Look at verse 3. Then appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. So at the same time, the disciples actually saw 120 separate fires shaped like tongues resting on one another. Pretty cool, huh? Wouldn't it be cool if we, like, hey, what's on your head? What's on your head? What's going on? You know? It's like, how is that even possible? Okay, how is that possible? I read about the burning bush. How is that possible? You know, it's on fire but not being consumed. How can these people have fire on their head and not end up looking like me? And <laughs> what's going on? And think about it. If you think about their reference, they had as Jewish people, they had the Old Testament, right? Well, fire in the Old Testament was often used to give God a tangible um, evidence of his power. We see a lot of examples. Elijah experienced God's power uh, with the, the prophets of Baal. You remember when he called fire down from heaven? you know, and consume the altar. God showed himself powerful through that. I just mentioned Moses' experience when he's before the great I am. It's a what? A burning bush. That's how God came and revealed himself there. So Moses experienced God's presence through the burning bush. And even Isaiah, you guys remember, he experienced God's holiness when his lips were touched with what? A burning coal, fire, okay upon his lips so christians 
If we want to be used by God in world evangelism, we need to experience his power. We need to live in his presence and be characterized by his holiness. It's a need. I'm going to pause. Evangelism isn't easy, is it? Does anybody think it's an easy thing here this morning? That's the most comfortable thing in the world. I love telling people that they're going to go to hell unless they repent and get right with their maker. <laughs> if you're comfortable with that, I want to hang out with you and learn. It's not comfortable. Okay? I believe God's given me the gift of evangelism. I love talking about Jesus. You guys know that. But I'll be honest with you guys, it's always uncomfortable talking with a non-believer. It always is. It's a little easier in this setting. It's just like, man, an unbeliever walked through the doors of the church here this morning. Like, yeah, I'm going to talk about Jesus. This is expected. But what about the waitress at the restaurant? What about the coworker that you've been praying for for a long time and you still haven't shared with them? Why is it so hard to share with your mom or dad or brother or sister? It's not a natural thing. But we're all called to do the work of an evangelist, aren't we? We're all called to go and be salt and light to share the good news. So, what do we need to do? I think we just need to be in that sweet spot with Jesus as just a real natural overflow. You know, we share out of obedience because that's what God calls us to do. It's not easy, but I will tell you guys, it's easier when I'm in a sweet spot with Jesus where I'm receiving. I'm overjoyed. I'm receiving the truth of the gospel myself. When I'm in that good spot, man, I'll just blub on people. <laughs> you know? It comes a lot easier. Let me tell you about the goodness of God. And that's where we, brothers and sisters, get to encourage each other in walking with Jesus. Because as we are in regular fellowship, and that's part of the Christian maturity God's calling us to, okay? Sometimes we wonder why brothers and sisters don't come to church. You know, what's, what's a bigger priority than being in fellowship where you're going to be encouraged and built up? We have excuses, don't we? You know, and to be honest, if we step back and look at the big picture, it's pretty lame. We won't let our kids miss a day of school, but we can come up with a bunch of excuses to miss church on a Sunday. What's up with that? I think it's just part of we're not mature as we should be as the church. And I'm not just talking Freedom Fellowship. It's the church at large, guys. But let me tell you, for you who are in regular fellowship, you show up, you go to prayer meetings, you're at church every week, you're serving, you're using your gifts. I know your hearts. And the one thing you all share is you care about the lost. <laughs> and I believe when we are in that regular fellowship, that's one of the keys and reasons why we're to be in fellowship is to stir each other up, aren't we? And to stir each other up in what? Just so we can be happy and have great lives? No. <laughs> to stir us up in the mission that God's called us to. That's what it's about. I want to share a kind of a funny story with you. Um, there was a, a sermon that uh, Helford Lulock, he tells, it was called A Dangerous Pentecost. Uh, he tells the story of uh, Lorenzo Di Michetti, um, a great Florentine patron of the arts. 
who was very proud of his spectacles he staged for this uh, citizenry. Uh, and among his productions were several amazing realistic religious pageants performed in the church. But one Pentecostal, uh, Pentecost, uh, Lorenzo, he went too far. Uh, he used actual fire to depict the descent of tongues of flames on the apostles. The fragile stage caught fire, um, and with the horrified onlookers, <laughs> the entire church burned to the ground. <laughs> it is sad, but the moral of the story needs to be what, guys? <laughs> there has to be a moral there, otherwise, what's the point of sharing the story? The moral of the story has to be this. We need to pray for Pentecostal power, okay, but not try to manufacture it. Amen? Amen. Uh, I've had some of you like, I wish our church was more charismatic. I wish our church was more charismatic too. What do I mean by that? God's given gifts, right? He says, let all things be done decently and in order. Okay, there's gifts given to the church to build up the church. That's the purpose of them. And we do have gifts, but we don't always function in those gifts. We don't always use them for the benefit of the body. But... My conviction as your pastor is I don't, wanna, I don't want anything counterfeit to happen. I want it to be a genuine move of God's spirit, okay? Because I've been in a lot of places. Woo-hoo! Revival's happening here, you know? And I'm sitting there. I'm like, there's just a bunch of confusion happening here. I, like, I got the gift of discernment, and what is going on right now is not of the Holy Spirit, I don't know what's going on, and I just sat here for four hours with everybody having this revival, and it was a neat, self-centered experience for everybody. What did God actually do? What actually happened? I do believe when God moves, there's going to be fruits as a result of it, a genuine fruit. And I do pray that God would move in our fellowship. I would love to see a Pentecost happen at Freedom Fellowship. The Spirit of God just dropped. Boom! I'm going to do this thing that is not any of us, nothing we conjured up, no great idea, just the Lord moving as He did on this day. But I do believe this comes out of what we talked about last week and where we see God's divine order in Scripture. What did we talk about last week? Hey, God's people need to get together and pray. And I do believe when we get to pray, things are going to happen. Why was it, you know, in so many of the gals' hearts yesterday to get together for prayer? Okay, why was it in people's hearts to come early this morning to pray together? Okay, I do believe as we pray together, God is going to do. And he is going to move. And why? Because he's going to use his church to go share his good news. So, G. Campbell Morgan um phenomenal commentator if you guys are looking for a good commentaries grab anything by him um he said this there was born the christian church not by the sprinkling of water not by votes and resolutions not by creeds formulated and signed but by the baptism of wind and fire of god love it see why i like him <laughs> it's fun let's look at the third sign um the third sign was an oral one, is what we see here. Um, verse 4, let's look. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
So they spoke in at least 15 different languages here that they never had learned. Wouldn't that be cool? I'm just going to speak in French. That'd be so cool. Oh, man. This just came to mind. Um, I used to listen to John Corson a lot, read a lot of his commentaries years ago. How many of you guys are familiar with him? Another phenomenal teacher. Um, he's got a ministry called Searchlight, um, radio or searchlight.org or whatever. You can check it out online. Phenomenal teacher. Um, but he shared a story that just uh, hit me one time. He was uh, speaking about um, the reality of tongues, and he was teaching at a conference somewhere. He was asked to come in and be a guest speaker. Um, and before he was about to get up, they had a time of praise and worship, and someone had spoken out in tongues um, during the conference. And uh, they got up, and, uh, you know, the guy who was emceeing, it's like, hey, you know, uh, you know, someone, brother so-and-so, spoke in a tongue, and, you know, we're waiting on an interpretation. If there isn't, no, you know, we're not going to have anyone speak out, out in tongues. This is a leadership conference he was at. The place was packed out, and no one had the interpretation of it. Okay. Well, the conference was being held at a huge hotel, okay? And because they were renting out the conference thing, just outside in the lobby, you know how sometimes they'll have a whole bar out there? Like, hey, that's how they can make some money. Well, it's a Christian thing. They had to have, the hotel had a bar guy on staff there, even though they weren't going to be selling any alcohol. <laughs> it's just what the hotel did. Well, this guy was from Iran, the bartender, and the tongue that was given was in his foreign language. This was a white American, had the gift of tongues, never, you know, had no idea what dialect was. This guy who spoke in tongues, the bartender, heard what was spoken during the worship, you know, through this prayer. And he came to Jesus Christ <laughs> in that because John afterwards, the guy, even after he was done teaching, was just still in tears, just in broken, just the glorious things that were spoken of, of God. And John had the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them in that. So that's kind of what I see taking place here. And as we get into this, there's a little, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, I want you guys to turn to Genesis 11 because what we see taking place here, this oral sign given of them speaking in these different languages, okay, the miraculous event uh, accomplished through the Holy Spirit really amounts to the reversal of what we saw took place back at the Tower of Babel, correct? So I want to take a read with you guys quick before we move on here and look back to what took place in Genesis chapter 11. We'll pick it up uh, in verse 1. Now the whole earth had one language in one speech. Okay? You guys understand what's going on? Everybody was able to communicate. Okay? No difficulties making things clear. <laughs> and it came to pass, verse 2, as they journeyed from, e from the east, that they found a plain of the land of Shinar, and there they dwelt, they dwelt there. And then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, and let us build ourselves a city and a tower uh, wh whose top is in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But, verse 5, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they 
all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us, who's us? Oh, that's the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Anyways, that's Old Testament too. Check this out. Come, let us go down in their confuse their language, and they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore the name is called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the earth. And from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. So you guys see what's going on here? One people, one language. Hey, we can do it ourselves. We don't need you, God. We're going to make our own way. God says that can't be. That ain't going to work. Not good enough. (laughs) So what does he do? Spreads them out. Going to confuse you guys. You're not going to do this anymore. So be encouraged. Life's a little confusing right now. (laughs) Because... Anyways, if we think about back then, God confounded the speech, misusing uh, their unity here uh, for sinful purposes. That's why he had to intervene. And here God enabled peoples who different languages separated them to understand each other and praising God, which is the proper use of unity, isn't it? That's why we come together. Our unity's sake has to be in the Lord. And we want to see a nation united. One nation under God. But the problem is we're trying to be united and it ain't going to happen without God. It can't happen without God. And we see our nation falling apart before our eyes. I don't know. How many of you guys got to watch the inauguration take place? Yeah, we were on our way back from Green Bay and uh, Sonny was able to pull it. Isn't it cool? We can pull up video on cell phones now we're watching live stream and cnn or something and we're catching the end part where um the the religious um guys came up uh to give their benedictions it's so cool that we had judaism and christianity represented the only true religions in the world but it was so cool that the name of christ was being spoken the one and true god and just and i'm just like thank you lord that we still do this at least like we're looking to you and you know praise god for that and that is really our only hope it really is you wonder why we've been so blessed there is a reason guys we've been blessed as a nation because we have found unity in god and that is the purpose of unity it's for him it's for his glory for his praise that is the purpose and that's why satan loves to come in and bring division you know confusion (laughs) because then that can't happen but isn't the heart of god that we would be one as he is one yeah that's where we need to learn to love to be gracious okay um something i want you guys to note too uh there's a difference between the tongues being used here in acts chapter 2 and those that which are taught by paul in first corinthians chapter 12 and 14 Okay, they're two separate things. I encourage you guys to study it out, the differences. I may post uh, later this week a bunch of them that I found just studying the scriptures and what they say. But these two things um, are, are different here. It could be distinguished by calling this the miracle of language here in Acts chapter 2. And then the others would be the gift of tongues. Okay, um, 
Pentecost. Um, really, we see in the book of Acts that there were five bestowals of the Holy Spirit. Um, here we see the first in Jerusalem take place. We see that in Acts 2, verse 4. We also see it later in Samaria. When we get to Acts chapter 8, verse 17, we will see that happen again. We see it happen with Saul, okay, who became the Apostle Paul <laughs> in chapter 9, verse 7. We saw it at Cornelius in his whole household in chapter 10, verse 44. And then there were Ephesian believers that we read about in chapter 19, verse 4 okay so a lot of people say no pentecost that was just then there no <laughs> the holy spirit has dropped many times throughout history <laughs> okay um and we see it throughout the the church in the beginning of the church uh, multiple times there's one baptism correct there's multiple fillings that we are taught about in scripture so as one noticed the holy spirit didn't distribute pens but tongues at Pentecost, for the gospel was proclaimed by human lips. Okay? By human lips. Is it good to be salt and light? Is it good to share our faith? Can we do that on Facebook? Yeah. But God's asked us to what? Go share. Go talk to people. Okay? And let me tell you what. I love Facebook. Through it, I've been able to connect with a lot of friends from my past, high school, and in that, I've been able to set up a lot of coffee dates. Hey, can you meet me? I'd love to catch up and share with you what's been going on in my life and being able to share Jesus with them. It's good. And let me tell you what, guys. Take the opportunities to talk, to share with people. Because if you're not going to do it, I don't know who's going to. Okay, I'm going on 40. I've had one guy come to my house and talk to me about Jesus in 40 years of life. I've had others knock on my door trying to preach a different Jesus, tell me some lies. That's sad. We have the truth. I've only had one person stop me and ask me if I knew Jesus and I knew I was going to heaven for sure. 40 years. And I grew up in the valley here, guys. A lot of good Christian people here that aren't sharing. We need to be sharing. Amen? So, um, yeah. And I do believe if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we will, we shall witness by lip and life to those not in Christ. And the Holy Spirit will be in us as the presence of God in our life and on us as power of God in our work and through us as manifestation of God in our testimony. So they began to speak. Okay, You can underline that in your Bible if you want. They began to speak. That's a very important phrase right there. That's exactly what God wants us to do. The world wants us to shut up. You don't speak. Division of church and state. There's no place for you guys to speak here into the lives of others. We need to. All right. Let's look at the shock and the awe of the unbelievers here. Look at verse 5 with me in Acts chapter 2. And there were dwelling uh, in Jerusalem Jews. They were devout men from every nation under heaven. And with the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused. Because 
Everyone heard them speak in his own language. How cool is that? And then they were all amazed and they marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? How is this possible? What's going on, right? And then verse 8, And how is it that we hear, each in our own language in which we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwelling in Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Pergia and Pamphylia and Egypt and the parts of Libya joining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, who both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, and we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, they're full of new wine. They're drunk. Even if they were drunk, it'd still be a miracle. <laughs> How do these Galileans know all these other languages? Right? And I love from every nation we're told. So in other words, the nations of the first century Jewish dispersion here. So these were Jews who lived with their families in Jewish communities outside of the Holy Land from all over had come to worship. Now, distinguished from the Jews living in the land here, we have Parthians, which are would be Iran today. Okay, We have Mesopotamia, which is Iraq. And the list of probably 15... Um, are given, but it's probably not a complete list. There's probably a lot more there. Uh, proselytes, those are Gentiles by birth who've decided to convert to Judaism. The Arabs here, uh, Jews from Arabia. It's not what we would think of as Arabs today, uh, to make that clear for you guys. Um, also, this is one of the best um, attested events. Okay, This took place. Um, so many people witnessed this, and only God could do that. And then verse 8 tells us, And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? You see, this verse is an important verse in evangelism, um, as it is the first time the disciples took uh, the gospel across discernible cultural barriers. Uh, cross-cultural, that E2 evangelism that we talked about a couple weeks ago. So the gap between the Hebrews and the Hellenists was more uh, formable than some might think. An example to that would be the uh, Elamites here. Uh, they never had returned to the Holy Land, but settled down in an area north of the Persian Gulf. Um, and they had very little common with each other. Not only were virtually all believers up to this point Hebrew Jews, but there were also Galilean Hebrews opposed to the Judean Hebrews. There was so much division. Okay, um, Some commentators actually referred to these guys, these Galileans, uh, referred to them as hillbillies of the day. So they were culturally backwards. And that's why they were even more astonished. Like These are unlearned men. These are the hillbillies, the rednecks. What are they doing? You know, speaking in our language. Um, but the Galileans were uh, very aggressive evangelists. The instruments chosen by God to take the good news to the Hellenists from all over the world. And doesn't God choose the foolishness, the foolish things of the world? 
Yeah, I love it. So, <laughs> we hear in our own language in which we are born. Um, God shows respect, doesn't he, for each culture. I love that. He's showing respect for each culture, each language, each of these groups mentioned. So why is this important? Well, because it isn't only for Israel, and it's not for white man's religion, or transcends, you know, it transcends race, creed, color, culture. The gospel, guys, is for all. For all. So to evangelize effectively, the gospel must be preached in their heart language and in the Bible must be translated into their vernacular. So important. Okay. And I believe to have a heart for evangelism, you need to understand the heart of God. You need to understand this truth. Why would anyone ever go to a people group who've never heard and learn their dialect be able to learn their language in order to, you know, give them the scriptures to share the word of God with them. It's because they get the heart of God. It's so important that we understand that. God desires none to perish, guys. Unless you have that same burden and understand that, what's your motivation in evangelizing then? You know, selfish gain. Look at what I did, God. Or is it out of, wow, Lord, you really love us. You loved me. By your grace, I'm saved. What a gift. Others need to know about you. They also need to hear of this great gift. I think that's when we become effective. And the importance, guys, of distinguishing what is non-negotiable part of the Christian faith from cultural baggage the missionary might be carrying along with them to foreigners. What's important, guys? Jesus Christ. That's what's important. Let's look at verse 13 or 12 and 13. It says, So they were all amazed, perplexed, saying to one another, well, What could this mean? Others mocking said they're full of new wine. So some were amazed and perplexed, others mocking. Was it their choice? Or did God force them? You mock, <laughs> you be amazed. <laughs> I don't think God works that way. I wish they were all amazed because it was amazing. But man, our hearts, they're wicked, aren't they? How do we, even knowing the truth, will still reject him, turn our back on him? God, I, I know you love me. I know you know best, but I got this. I'm going to do my own thing right now. Shame on us. Guys, he loves us so much. You see, some of these guys here, they accepted it. Some rejected it. Some receptive some were resistant but remember not all crops ripen at the same time do they let me share an example with you guys um i miss wheat i can't eat wheat anymore i love wheat i love wheat fields aren't they beautiful when they're ready to be harvested like honestly i just love the summertime the sun's out you know <laughs> It's, uh, it's just shining. It's just beautiful golden colors in these huge wheat fields. It's just beautiful. But the reality is, in America here, if you live in the south, you get to see that beauty way before we do here in the north. Things just come to bear fruit at different times. And that's just part of life. And I encourage you guys to keep praying 
Keep praying for your kids. Keep praying for your mom and dad. Keep praying for those that you've, I don't know if they're ever going to get saved. They just don't want to hear the truth. Keep praying, guys. You don't know. God's word does not return void. Verse 13 says they're full of new wine. Well, in a sense, they are, right? Let's turn to Luke chapter 5, and we'll start wrapping this up. I love this passage. Chris Smith, I posted a picture of this, uh, illustrating this uh, passage on Facebook a few weeks back. Um, and Chris Smith uh, asked me, I posted actually about five, six years ago, and she asked, I'd love to hear a teaching on this someday. And um, I'm, I'm like, hey, this fits perfectly with where we're at today. But if I taught this, we'd be here for a whole nother hour. But <laughs> I just want to share the cross reference because it does tie in uh, to this reality. Look here in Luke chapter 5, verse 37. This is Jesus speaking. And this is speaking about the Holy Spirit coming, okay? He says, no one puts new wine into an old wineskin. So you're receiving, okay, a new work of the Holy Spirit, okay? You cannot put old or new wine into an old wineskin or else the new wine will burst and the wineskin will be spilled and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins and both are preserved. So in that sense, we are full of new wine, aren't we? We have the Holy Spirit, but we need to be flexible. We look at some religions around us, some sects of Christianity, and we wonder why they're dying. Why are they dying? What's going on? Well, they've gotten so caught up in their traditions of their church. They've boxed God in and say, you can't work this way. You can't do that. We don't care what your word says because we know better now. You know, shame on us for doing that. And what ends up happening, and if the Spirit of God does come and move within some of these traditional churches, what ends up happening? They fall apart. It isn't going to work. That they just end up resisting instead. Forget this. (laughs) And that's where I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, we need to be flexible. When the Holy Spirit begins to move in our lives, we've got to make room for Him. Okay? We can't go with the old. That's why we need to be born again. You guys understand? We need to be born again of the Spirit because <laughs> it doesn't work. How would our life not being born again, okay, if we were still lost, blind, okay, and the Spirit of God, does that work? It doesn't work. And that's why we see so many people today, you see the Lord trying to draw them to open their eyes to work in their life. Things aren't happening. And the same thing in believers' lives. God's wanting to pour into the dew, but it's an old wineskin. No, this is just the way it is and always been. You know, Let me tell you what, guys. God is always on the move. He always has been through history. And there's always been a small remnant that gets to be a part of what the Holy Spirit is at work doing and active. And we want to stay open. Amen? Okay. Um, yeah. So listen carefully here. Christ for believers, a Savior accepted. Christ in believers, a friend experienced. Christ through believers, 
a master manifested. We're told that nature abhors a vacuum. Um, let me give you an example. If you pumped all the air out of a bottle, what ends up happening? Doesn't it make that vacuum effect, right? Um, if you seal it up, you would create this vacuum inside of it. But if you poke a hole in it, right, all the air rushes into it and it fills up. We all understand that, right? Okay. If you don't, I'll you come over to my house. We'll, we'll have a science experiment together. Well, fine. Um, anyways, thus the state of being full or fullness is one of the necessities of life. But full of what? Full of what, guys? There are right types of fullness and there are wrong types of fullness. Follow me, we're almost done here. Just from the book of Acts, there's right types. Once we are full of the Holy Spirit, it leads to the fullness of wonder, which we'll see in chapter 3, verse 10. The fullness of doctrine, chapter 5, verse 28. The fullness of wisdom, chapter 6, verse 3. The fullness of faith in chapter 6, verses 5 and 8. Fullness of power, chapter 6, verse 8. God's word, chapter 9, verse 36. Of joy, chapter 13, verse 52. Of gladness, chapter 14, 17. Do all those things sound good to you? Yeah. To be full of the Holy Spirit. And then there's wrong types. Being full of lying, chapter 5, verse 3. Full of indignation, chapter 5, verse 17. Full of deceit and fraud, chapter 13, verse 10. Full of envy, chapter 13, verse 45. Of confusion, chapter 14, verse 29. Of wrath, chapter 19, verse 28. Do those sound good? No. But the thing is, we're going to be full of something. You guys get the point here. I would rather be full of the Holy Spirit. You see, I believe spiritual nature abhors a vacuum also. I believe that. So you're full of something. The question is of what? Of what? Full of yourself? Full of the world? Or full of the Holy Spirit? And I guess the closing question I would have with you guys do we have a choice in all of that? That's where the Word of God is good. That's where we need to take what we hear and apply it. What are we going to do in light of that truth of God's Word? As Jocelyn to uh, close with a song today. Um, if you'd come up. And I would like you guys to stand. If you know this song, great. I think it's a good song to make as a prayer, a heart cry to the Lord. If you guys would stand, and we will close our time together through the song.
Father, we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would come, that you would fill us up and give us wisdom and make it clear the things that we need to uh, just take care of business with to get rid of. God, and there may be uh, one or some this morning Father, who have not asked you personally to come to be their Savior, to forgive their sins, to be made new, to be born again, to be forgiven of all sins, to be able to stand before you as one of your children. 
we thank you for the good news that you've done it all, that there is nothing we can do. And we see that, God. Even in our best efforts, Lord, we have fallen short. And please forgive us, God, that we'd be so proud to think we could do it ourselves. We thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Lord, we pray that this great gift of your grace, of eternal life, Lord, that it would be upon our lips this week, sharing with those, Lord, that need to hear. God, use us. God, those who have gone to be on the mission field, Lord, bless their efforts today. Continue to strengthen them and provide all their needs, Lord, that they continue to be able to have their hand on the plow, being about your business, Lord. There is definitely a harvest that is ready. God, there's a huge harvest right here in our own backyard. Open our eyes to that. Give us a burden for it, Lord. God, help us to labor well and hard for your glory, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Amen. Lord bless you guys. Go before you guys. We'll see you next Sunday. I think we'll be getting through chapter, or sorry, verse 41, 40. Someone there in there, I want to save 41 and 42 for a special study. So hopefully we'll get that far. Read ahead, study ahead.